Atomic Moms is a weekly parenting podcast about the joys and complexities of caring for our little ones and ourselves. I'm Ellie Noss, toddler wrangler and producer of Atomic Moms, and I join forces with celebrities, best-selling authors, parenting experts, and caregivers all over the world to hear their unique stories in this universal experience of raising a child. Follow us on Twitter at Atomic Moms, Facebook, and Instagram at Atomic Moms. Today's guest is Roma Katarpal. She pronounces that last name so much more beautifully than I do. Roma is the founder and CEO of Tools of Growth, through which she helps parents raise kids to be happy, think positive, and do good. She's the author of The Perfect Parent, Five Tools for Using Your Inner Perfection to Connect with Your Kids, which is the recipient of the National Parenting Publications Awards, as well as the Parents' Choice Award and the Mom's Choice Gold Award. So clearly, I'm not the only one who loves it. Before we jump into today's interview, I also wanted to share with you all that Susan Stiffelman has this amazing new series online about parenting in the digital age where she has these incredible interviews. And so at the end of this podcast, I'm jumping on the phone with her for five minutes so we can talk about it. And you can find the affiliate link at AtomicMoms.com. We still don't know what's wrong with my <clears throat> with the nerves in my left leg. As our listeners last week heard, I'm getting these like electric shocks and uh, my doctors don't know what it is. They have an idea, but now we have to do a bunch of MRIs and testings to figure it out. And so my daughter has been really helpful um, in keeping me from having my mind running towards, you know, these anxiety inducing tests I'm about to have. She demands that I stay present, and she's no wallflower. <laughs> it's like God said, Ellie needs a daughter who will not put up with the half-assed BS. You know, she doesn't want me to clap for her or give her accolades. It's not that kind of – like, she doesn't need to be the center of attention, but she's definitely very aware of when mommy has gone offline and is, like, worrying about other things um, and isn't present. And she calls me out on it. Toddlers have this incredible, uh, like, spidey sense when it comes to that. Maybe because they're so present all the time. Do you guys know that Stressed Out song by 21 Pilots? It's the one that goes, and yes, brace yourself, because I'm about to sing on the podcast again. Wish we could turn back time to the good old days when our mama sang us to sleep, but now we're stressed out. And then he says something about I'm something face. What is it? What is it? You guys know it. I'm something fake. What is it? Fancy face? No, I don't know. Anyway, each time I catch it on the car radio, I turn it up and I look in the rearview mirror at my daughter in her car seat and I think, yeah, those are the good old days. I'm singing to you, kid. These are the good old days for you. Because like in the song, the song says, when our mama sang to us to sleep, but now we're stressed out. I'm just thinking, yeah, I'm that mama and I'm singing to you. So you better enjoy these good old days, kid. And the funny thing is, I think she's staring back at me and thinking, I am in a car seat. I don't have a license. These are the good old days for you, ma. Our toddler has turned bedtime into an endurance sport. And between the series of potty trips and the Tower of Books and the 20-minute medley of bedtime song requests, the cheek kissing hers and every stuffed animal in her crib, I get frustrated. When I leave the room, she says, See you later, Mommy. 
so relaxed and ready to welcome 12 hours of sleep that I know this weird little tap dance, it works. But it's very clear these are the good old days for her, not me. There are 50 unanswered emails on my phone and dishes in the sink. And I start working on editing my podcast. And I look at the number of Instagram likes because, as the song says, I care what you think. And I lament not being a dictator, forcing her to go to bed sooner. Because should I really be supporting toddler OCD rituals anyway? And I get stressed out, okay? But the other night, I had a good potty think. I looked at the toys in our bathtub and the tiny little toothbrush on our dirty sink. And I realized that in 20 years... These will be the good old days. Yes, that is cliche, and it's also true. These are the good old days. In 20 years, I'll finally have my own bathroom again without her junk everywhere. But she'll probably be at a bar. And I'll be reminiscing about how we sang the Cheers theme song together when she was two. And I'll be reading my e-reader in bed, thinking about all the beaten-up, torn-up books she'd mouth the words to while I read, and how much she loved to turn the page herself. In 20 years, I won't be allowed to tuck her in. She'll be asking somebody else to rub her back. She'll think humidifiers are stupid, and all of her stuffed animals will have been Marie Kondoed, which means I'll give them away. Because who knows, my husband and I could be living in a condo by then. And in that little potty think moment, I didn't want to have my own bathroom. I wanted this little person's fingerprints all over the walls. I wanted the Elsa towel hanging on the wall. These are the good old days, not when we were young, but when our kids are young. And yes, it is stressful. And yes, raising humans is a pain in the tuchus. But this is it. Life can be so much more vibrant and beautiful when we choose to feel nostalgic for now. Our guest today, again, is Roma Katarpal. In The Perfect Parent, she writes that it's the dynamic between parents and children that make the difference, and she provides tools so that parents can draw on their inner resources, which she calls inner perfection, to enhance the way they connect with their children, building trust and thereby making it second nature for children to reach out to their parents, strengthening that bond for life. Hi, Roma. Hi, Ellie. Thank you for having me. It's so nice having you in my living room. Oh, thank you so much. It's great to be here. What a beautiful home you have. Thank you. I am obsessed with your shirt. <laughs> it is so beautiful. I'm going to be posting on social media a picture of Roma signing a copy of her book, The Perfect Parent, Five Tools for Using Your Inner Perfection to Connect with Your Kids. And in that photo, you will also be admiring Roma's shirt. <laughs> thank it's you. It's gorgeous. Splendid. Splendid. They're so cozy and soft and it lasts forever. I'm very excited to talk about your book and also about your personal journey as a mother. And so I'm wondering if we can, you know, just start off with the five tools. And 
you've written a whole book about them, so obviously there's a lot to talk about. <laughs> but I'm wondering if you could just give a quick overview of what sure, they are. Sure. Uh, first of all, Ellie, you know, I really believe that simplicity is key, right? Especially in parenting. You guys are busy. You have so much to do. Um, so the tools were designed um, to be very, very simple. So you would have easy recall. As you know, they're adjectives that parents would love to be described by. Um, so the first one is honorable, honor, able. So the tools are actually hidden within the name of the tool itself. Uh, the second one is approachable parenting, approachable parenting. How can you be approachable? How can you grow that trust with your child so that they can come to you with anything? And the third tool, which is my favorite, is sensible parenting. We all want to be a sensible parent. Um, and really breaking down that word sense-able. How do you make connections with your kids using your five senses and your sixth sense, of course? Uh, the next one is reasonable, responsible parenting. Um, how do you reason with the kids? What is the difference in, in uh, reasoning with them and arguing with them? And of course, what is the difference in responding to them versus reacting to them? So uh, those are the four main tools and what I like to call the last tool, which are the musical notes. Um, in any family life, I think uh, the most important is enjoyable and memorable parenting. Uh, we spend a lifetime being parents and I think really making it, uh, focusing on that joy and creating memories. Um, you want to look back and know that you did a great job and, and you want to look back and know that you did the best that you could. So those uh, musical notes that you can play throughout your parenting years with your children and making this an enjoyable and memorable experience for them and for yourself. I think that one of the most poignant things about this book is you mentioned at the end how parents want to be able to look back on their time with their children and have all of these memories. And so you have children that are now in their 20s. Mm -hmm. So you've got the I empty do. nest thing <laughs> happening. And the, and you mentioned, you know, you're storing these memories for now when the children are gone. Right. And I thought that was so beautiful to sort of look to the future. I mentioned in a recent podcast, I was like, maybe parenting, like we're always talking about being in the present, right? but maybe sometimes we shouldn't be in the present because sometimes the present is really overwhelming. Right. But if we can just look down the line, we'll realize that things are going to change so much because this was about yeah. um, with, you know, do we have more children, right? We're looking at it right now and it's like, oh, a two and a half year old is a little overwhelming. Right. But if I think about in 10 years, they're all going to be older and it'll be much more manageable or just a different of course, type of, of heart. Of course, and it's all perspective. And I think just human nature in general, human behavior in general, having that balance of being in the present with the child now and knowing what that does for you in the future. Right. Um, oh, well, no, so, of course. And believe me, I'm big on being present with your kid in the, right, in the now. Right. But I just mean from the, I did a silent meditation retreat and there was a, t a Dharma talk about how the gla this glass is, you know, I'm holding a glass at, my, at the table right now. This glass is already broken. Mm. And so there's a way of being more present and appreciating this glass as it is right now because mm -hmm. it's already broken. Right. Like my children have oh, already, beautiful. in that way, my yeah. children have already left the nest. Yeah. So they're here right now and I can appreciate them 
more in this moment of and course. also store the memories for the future. So important. I think so important because, and your relationship becomes a memory as well, you know, and how you go through the ups and downs with your children. In fact, it's good timing to bring this topic up for me. Uh, talking about empty nest, my son just moved out this weekend. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> Okay, so are you sad? Or are you like jumping on the bed and like, you know, woohoo? It's so funny. I talked to my husband about this because he said, he said to me just yesterday, last night, he said, you don't look sad at all. And I said, you know, I'm so excited for him. I am more excited than I am sad. Um, so yes, I'll miss him. But I mean, come on, he's 30 miles away. So it's really not that bad, you know. Um, but this is what you, what you parent for. Any other way, you would be beating yourself up. Right. If it was mm-hmm. on the flip side, say if he or my daughter were the, were the type of children that just wanted to kind of bum around and hang around and do nothing. I mean, then we have a problem. Um, so, yes, I, I will miss his presence at home. Um, but the fact that um, he's done this on his own, you yeah. know, he's grown wings and he's, you know, flying away and he's happy. And I'm just so overjoyed for him. And um, I think the best part has been being part of it. It hasn't been like, I'm moving out. I got it. You guys do your thing. I'm done. It's been, hey, mom, can you help me with that? Um, I've got this going on. I've got this delivery coming today. I can't take the day off of work. And you know, I can work remotely. So I've been driving back and forth. Um, and then that appreciation from him, like, hey, thanks so much. I really appreciate you taking your your time out to do this. Um, those are such joys. So I think it's been sort of bittersweet, more sweet than bitter, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, congratulations thank to you, you thank guys. You. I, I one of my favorite quotes that you have is in regards to being present with your children and not just with, you know, helping with the moving stuff, sure. but um, <laughs> if you're using most, you say, if you're using most of your energy to do stuff for your kids, then you'll have that much less energy to be, be with them, to just be there for them. Mm-hmm. So can you discuss your take five approach? Of course, of course. So take five is taking that five minutes a day to do nothing, no thing, absolutely nothing with your kids. Um, And it's interesting because when I teach that in my parenting workshops, more often than not, um, you know, I have these amazing questions that come out from parents like, so what are we supposed to do in that time? Are we not like supposed to talk? Are we just supposed to sit there? What do you do when you just sit there? You're going to do something. Should we run around and play a game? And, you know, this whole concept of doing nothing is so alien to us, right? Especially the young parent who's multitasking like yourself, Ellie. Um, Taking those five minutes to commit, to commit without an agenda, to really commit there to do nothing grows into this fabulous space um, to come together, to commune. And communication, I believe, the base word is commune, is to come together. And uh, unless we free up our time, it's not going to happen. How important is that? And the conversations that uh, moms and parents have come back with, I'm, I'm holding a, a mom and dad uh, workshop at uh, Montessori School in Fontana, and our you know second session is tomorrow. Um, and one of the most important things that comes out of these, these parent classes is that um, making that free time for children is so hard. And really, that should be the number one thing on our list is that free time without an agenda, without doing anything. And it really, if you don't do that, then it robs you from really being present in the moment. And our focus shifts from doing things than being there for them. Uh, to piggyback on that, I really love what you were talking about in the book with in regards to listening because it's not even it's not just about taking 5 every day 
so that we can be present with our children without an agenda. But when we are communicating with our children, to also take note if we have an agenda then. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the best thing to do is to let them talk it out themselves and to just listen. Yes. And I think with our kids, we're so used to jumping in and helping them resolve. And um, in other words, interrupting their conversation with what we want to say to them, that it doesn't really let them complete their thoughts. And it was hard. You know, I took that uh, Eckhart Tolle and Oprah webcast. It was uh, the first webinar of its kind, uh, New Earth. It was on the book New Earth. And I think I was one of a million people signed on uh, worldwide. It was fabulous. And and they talked about human behavior and listening. And I thought, I have to apply this on my on my children and see how that works. My daughter had gone off to college by then. But I have to tell you, you know, really listening mindfully, actively, word for word for word, letting them complete their sentence was hard in my head. You know, it was hard because I realized how quickly we jump in to help children resolve things. And I promised myself that the next opportunity I got, I would actually, while he was telling his story, it just so happened that it was a football um, football story. Would you? Should I cite the example? Would Absolutely, you? Okay. please. And wait, let's take one moment. Tony, is that okay with the house? Yeah, I'm, I'm not even seeing it. Perfect. Um, for our listeners, they are clearly building a house next door. <laughs> it's just banging and banging and banging for us. But as long as you all aren't hearing it and driving off the road, we're good to continue. Yeah. <laughs> Roma, please cite your example. Okay. So my son had come home um, from school. He was driving then and he was really upset because he was the quarterback on his football team. He was really upset because the new boy that had just joined school was getting an opportunity to start in the game on Saturday. And so the coach had said, you know, this this child is going to or this peer of yours is uh, is going to start uh, in the next game. And my son was a little upset about that because, you know, he had worked very hard to, he was captain of the team, to build the team and to lead the team and having this newbie come in and mm -hmm. take his spot, even though for one very important big game, he wasn't sure on, you know, he was having a lot of emotional turmoil because of that. So he comes home, he walks in the door and said, you know, you'll never believe this. Um, the coach is letting, you know, him start, um, it's a true story, so I don't want to name any names. <laughs> oh, <laughs> come on. Him... No, no, no. Is no. <laughs> uh, letting We're him... going to find his Facebook page. <laughs> no. um, letting him start in the next game, and I'm so upset about it. And I thought to myself, this was the day after I had learned about listening. I thought, I've got to try it. Um, I've just got to listen to him and let him complete. And naturally, what came out of me was, mm-hmm, uh-huh well, mom, you'll never believe this. And, you know, I'm so upset about this because I'm the captain of the team and I've left and I was, mm-hmm, uh-huh, okay. And I actually let him complete the story. And then he went on to, but you know what, mom, I just figured it out. I am not going to let this bother me. I am the captain of the team. My attitude is going to end up affecting the rest of the team. Um, I'm just not going to take this out onto the field on Saturday. You know, I'm good. I'm going to be a good sportsman and um, cheer up my team and not let my attitude affect everyone. Thank you so much, mom. That was really helpful. Thank you for talking through this with me. And he walked away. And then he walks to the bottom of the staircase and then walks back and gives me a big hug and kiss and says, thank you so much for listening. And I really didn't even do anything. All I did was, uh-huh, 
Mm-hmm. And so that became my go-to, and it's one of the tools that ended up in the book, is using that uh, leverage of just making sounds to fill in that urge that we all have as parents uh, to jump in. Because if we allow them to process the information, they're very capable of resolving it themselves. And I love that. And I also thought of my therapist, and I was like, oh, she just makes me do the work myself. She just sits there and listens, and yeah. I figure it out myself. And it's the same with our kids. Yes. They just want us to be present for yes, them and listen. to mirror and listen. Mm-hmm. I thought this was also fascinating, the idea of using the word feeling with an emotion instead mm-hmm. of just saying, I am sad, um, I'm feeling sad, or you're, mm-hmm. you're, you look, you're really angry right yes, now, yes. or you seem really angry right now, instead of saying you are angry. Right. And the idea that when we label people with emotions that it seems like they're always like that instead of it being a transitive process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, defining ourselves with emotions and Dr. Daniel Siegel at the Mindsight Institute at UCLA, he teaches this and he was, he's a big advocate. Um, And even in the whole brain child by Tina Bryson and Mm -hmm. and Daniel Siegel, they talk about this extensively that um, allowing ourselves or encouraging our children, in fact, not to define who they are by the feelings that they have is very important uh, because feelings are fluid. You know, they come and they go. So really making kids understand that the only way to make them understand that these feelings are not who they are is by adding that word feeling to an emotion. So instead of I am angry, um, correct them and say, oh, are you feeling angry? And when you are building their emotional vocabulary, which I think is absolutely paramount for parents to invest in, just like we build, you know, their alphabet skills and and their vocabulary uh, for their academic life, it's really important to build their emotional vocabulary as well. And adding that word feeling before an emotion helps them understand that we should not identify who we are with the feelings that we have. As a parent educator... Are there times when you have been in an argument with your children or you have something has not gone the way that it's supposed to go? Have you ever had that voice in your head go, but I'm a parent educator. I should be able to figure this out. Or you're making me look bad. I'm a parent educator. Why are you flipping out? So it's interesting you ask that because my kids actually throw that on me all the time. (laughs) So say I faltered in some way and said, you know, I can't believe you didn't even call or you should have at least told me you're not coming home for dinner because I made blah, 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 because you said you wanted it or what have you, the the usual parent nuances, if Mm -hmm. you will. And and my kids will just, you know, like put their hands on their hip and say, oh, tools of growth, mom, huh? Really? (laughs) And, uh, okay, we're going to talk to the people in your workshop tomorrow and let them know this is how you spoke to us. Yeah, Ellie, it's human behavior, right? <laughs> yeah. It's who we are as parents and um, being able to catch ourselves. And, and there is no right answer. We're going to be doing this for a lifetime. You know, yeah. hands down, this is the most important job we'll ever do, the longest job we'll ever do, and oftentimes the hardest job we'll ever do. So in that we are going to have the ups and downs and you catch yourself and, and you laugh about it and you, you grow from it every single moment. Doesn't matter how old your kids are. I find myself at the park, like, 
Atomic Moms. Huh? I know. I find myself, and I've got this stupid book bag that says Atomic Moms too. And a couple times people have been like, because they can recognize my voice. And I'm like, oh my God. Because uh, <laughs> I could not get her in the Garcia because the arched back and all that stuff. It's just nuts, right? Right, right What do right. you do in that situation? You know, I take a deep breath. You know, breath and yeah. water has always worked for me. Uh, we, the water thing is big. And yes. you mentioned that in the book. And the, I went to a hypnotherapist uh, after I had Sabrina, and and that was actually part of my tape. Oh. When I'm feeling really down, I have a glass of water. Yes, and it always helps. Whenever yes. I, whenever I'm being whenever I'm being bitchy, Adam always says water. <laughs> yeah, I have to tell you, my kids when they're upset at when they when they have an issue to talk to me about, mm-hmm. or my husband, or both of us, like my son in his senior year of college getting his twentieth parking ticket, uh, for example, <laughs> right? Um, they come to us with bottles of water. That they'll give us a glass of water or bottle of water, whatever, wherever we are, um, one for themselves and one for us. And we know at that time that it's, this is serious stuff. They're priming you. Yeah. yeah. And um, so it's interesting because I've always done that with them. My husband's always done that with them. Um, so now they know to do the same because it really helps calm those emotions down. Um, and as you know, I advocate emotional intelligence hugely in the book with dealing mm-hmm. with the feeling and the three steps, the spot it, say it, okay mm-hmm. it. Um, and really to get ourselves to that point of being able to practice that emotional intelligence and being able to listen to our children, we right. need to first be able to calm ourselves down. That's a great point. And I am able to do that, but then it... <laughs> This car seat thing, man, it's it's driving me nuts because I can calm myself down and I can mm. say, we're just going to wait until you're ready. Mm-hmm. You don't want to get in the car seat, do you? You don't want to get in the car seat. And she wants to play and da 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 but she would be in there for 30 minutes. Right. And then it becomes, finally, it's like, we've got to go. Right, right. So. And you know, every child is going to have their little things that you need to work on them She's with and work on willed. yourself about. Exactly. And she probably sees how upset you get about it. So No, but even I'm telling you, Roma, because I've been working on this for a year. Yeah. When I'm not upset about it, like when I'm genuinely like, okay, I don't have an agenda. I can wait as long as it takes for us to do this. It just, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. You know, have her take some deep breaths. How about taking three deep breaths, sweetheart, and see, have a sip of water, um, and then we can get in the car seat. Is it anxiety that's, uh, she doesn't like to be in the car seat? She doesn't like to be in the car seat. There you go. So it's, you know, then you really, honestly, Ellie, you're stuck between a rock and a hard spot because if she doesn't like to be in the car seat, putting her in the car seat is not an option. You know what I mean? It's not debatable. You know what I mean? It's mandatory. Taking her out of the car seat is not not, not, not an option, is what I meant to say. So really helping her cope with that, I think would be key because there are so many things that we will end up doing in life that we're not comfortable doing. And you have this opportunity to perhaps start now and talking to her about it now that she's, you know, two and a half. Yeah. Well, um, we do like, I'll narrate it beforehand. I'll be like, okay, so we're going to go now and we're going to cross the street and then we're going to get in the car seat. Like I give, you know, I tell her the only thing that seems to work is bribes. Mm. So you take what you can get at the siege. But again, <laughs> uh, Ellie, when you do get uh, that moment where the car seat is not an issue at that time, mm-hmm. um, at a completely different time when you're hanging out at home, um, do talk to her about it and say, you know, sweetheart, I noticed this. This happens every time you want to get in the car seat. Let's talk about this. Let me see how I can help you with this. What do you feel? And walk her through this. You know, what do you feel getting in that car seat? And give her choices of words. Do you feel 
mad? Do you feel sad? Do you feel scared? Uh, what do you feel getting in that car seat? And see what she responds back to. And this is dealing with the feeling spot. It's say it okay it. And say, oh, wow, I totally get it. I would feel the same way too. I didn't know that. Thank you for telling me this. And if she's scared, for example. Well, she'd probably say trapped. Trapped. That's scared. Right? That's or just scared. inhibited. Yes, because she's restricted. Right. Right? So when you're restricted, you're mm. it's fear. It's under, there are only two emotions, love and fear. Right? And there's all these different categories of emotions that fall under those two overarching emotions. So obviously, it's fear-based. Um, and actually talking her through this and maybe having the car seat in your home, um, out of the car, and saying, you know, how about you get in yourself and really empowering her with, let's do two sips of water and then getting in and letting her know because this is the law. We have to follow the law. And yeah, she's a little young to get that, but you're actually validating um, her emotions and then accessing her intellect. See, there are three different facets to communication, thoughts, feelings, and expressions. And with children that little as your daughter, uh, balancing those feelings is the only way that you can actually access the intellect and help them make sense of things. So obviously catching her in the moment at that moment and trying to get through to her is possibly... You cannot. You can't, you can, obviously. Yeah, it's a different language. Is hitting yourself, uh, you know. And, and I, I'm going to do that. I'm going to put the car seat in our playroom and we're going to have a talk about it. I think it's, I'm also realizing that when we have our biggest battles over this is when I'm taking her home from preschool. And I think that's because she's got so much energy, energy and like built up emotion from the morning that that is a very difficult transition. Mm -hmm. So maybe I can also, in addition to doing what you're saying, the water, with talking about the at breath. home, the water and the breath, I can also you know, maybe we go on a little walk after class mm -hmm. before we get in the car. Mm -hmm. So we Absolutely. have time to reconnect. Whatever she loves to do, it could be her favorite water bottle, like getting her a new water mm -hmm. bottle. And again, mind you, you might have to change these things every so often as she gets used to say, if you've used the same water bottle right. that she really likes and she went and bought it, bought herself, um, then you might have to, sh new you know, choice. change that up with something else. Exactly. Okay. And working, working through it, because obviously there's that underlying fear of being restricted for yeah. her. Yeah. And I get that. Uh, yeah, this I know is you very helpful. <laughs> Thank you. In your book, Roma, you mentioned that when you were 20 years old, you left Kuwait to marry your husband and moved to Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering if you could give us a little perspective on raising first-generation Americans. It was interesting because, you know, I'm Indian, obviously. So I was born and raised in Kuwait, which is now a different culture, right? So you, I've taken the Indian that I'm born into, my parents are, and uh, in an environment that was predominantly Middle Eastern, and then moved here to the U.S., right? All, all the way here. Um, it was interesting to blend uh, blend all of this and to see how it started to play itself out because at 20, you're not doing this by design, obviously. Um, I had my daughter when I was 23. And um, the advantage, I think, of having children that young was growing with them uh, side by side and not really um, micromanaging everything that they did. Uh, but circling back to the different cultures uh, that I was raised in and how that affected my children, um, I think it was uh, fabulous to be able to pick what I liked best from all three cultures and bring that 
um, into parenting. And, and much of it was natural, um, definitely not by design. Can you name a few of those things that you picked from each culture? Uh, respect from the Indian culture. That was big to me. My first experience here, and I'll share that, uh, which completely shattered me internally, was I you know, was 20 and I had just moved here. I'd started working and a colleague, I'd gone to lunch with her and, and uh, two other you know, friends my same age, my age, um, and they were talking about uh, what a bitch my mom is. And, um, you know, she did this and she did that. And I was devastated. I came home and I actually had, you know, I was telling my husband the story and I had tears in my eyes because I've never used that word alongside mother or mom ever. So that was very new for me. The F word was new for me, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that was huge. My husband w- has been here since he was eight years old. So for him, it was second nature uh, to use that just in context of talking. So that was, again, a big thing for me too. And I, I will never get used to it. So that was something that I instilled in my family very, uh, very firmly um, is the use of, you know, I call it verbal hygiene in the book, um, really being uh, putting that focus on just like dental hygiene. You know, we put all this attention to our teeth and taking care of our teeth and how important that is, because what happens down the line right. is you end up with, you know, decay and what have you. Similarly, I think if we do not practice verbal hygiene around children, um, genuinely, authentically, even amongst each other as parents, then it will start filtering out and become second nature to the children. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, that's all fine and dandy until they use it back with you. Right. Well, my daughter already is. Yeah. So there we go. Roma, I should have had you on a year ago. You know what? Uh, those, you know, I tell you, mirror neurons are so awesome because they will mirror everything that you do oh, from man. this moment on. So well, that's it. you I mean, can change in her strong, so quickly. In her strong willed, willedness, too. Yeah. I mean, strong willedness? What the hell am I saying? <laughs> what the heck am I saying? Caught myself, Roma. Okay. Thank you. It, okay. Uh, and then how about from being raised in Kuwait? Is there one? One thing that you can, that you, from that experience? Um, Humility. I think in general, um, you know, it's a very humble culture and a very hospitable culture. You know, everyone is very loving and everyone is very endearing. Um, the use of uh, terms of endearment is almost like in, in Arabic, you use the word habibti or ayuni. You see that so fluently, like in every other word is my dear, my love, my sweetheart, uh, that I think that became second nature to me in speaking that. the language. And that's in the book. Too. Yes, that's in the book. So too. our listeners pick it up. The perfect Perfect Parent. It's going to be on my website. I'm going to be sharing all of Roma's information, um, including her website and everything else on the planet. So uh, in closing, Roma, will you share your your own little mom bomb? Yes, yes, yes. My favorite one is by Peggy O'Mara, um, the founder of Mothering. I know Mothering is no longer in print, but it was one of my favorite magazines uh, and, you know, online and what have you. And Peggy O'Mara says, the way we talk to our children becomes their inner voice. And that to me is, it gets me every time. And it's a great, great reminder of how we should speak with our children and how we behave with them. Because truly the impressions that we create today are the expressions that they will take forth into their lives. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Ali. And now for my little phone call with Susan Stiffelman. 
Okay, listeners, I have Susan Stiffelman on the line. You might remember, you probably remember her from our episode, Parenting Without Power Struggles. She's also the author of Parenting with Presence. And Susan, that was a big hit. And my husband talks about that episode all the time. (laughs) That's good. I'm glad to hear it. He retweeted it. He's a huge fan. Oh, goody. Okay. (laughs) So I want to give our listeners a chance to hear a little bit about this huge thing you've got going on Mm. and it starts today so i want everyone to know how they can uh join in on the fun and what to do if they're hearing this episode and a couple weeks later yeah that's great well it's truly a labor of love um i've put together a summit called the parenting in the digital age teleseries and it's an online event that's free um four days of four or five interviews a day with people like Dr. Dan Siegel, Dr. Victoria Dunkley talking about the developing brain and screens and Byron Katie, who's just phenomenal and looks at, you know, in our conversation, we look at, you know, how our own stories in our head can sabotage the way we approach our kids, which can derail our effort to kind of get them to turn the, the, the switch off or, you know, be more balanced in their use. Um, I've got Alanis Morris. <laughs> I mean, just such an incredible lineup of people. I'm sure you'll have some posts about it. And and from every um, area, so that I, I really wanted to present parents with a lot of great information to help them make their own informed decisions about how to better help their kids use technology, enjoy technology, learn with technology, but really not be consumed and swallowed whole by it. And so how, that's what the series is about. How long are the discussions? 30 to 45 minutes, most of them. Katie and I went over an hour, and Alanis and I uh, about an hour. So, you know, wh- wh- when we're on a roll, it's hard to stop. But yeah, <laughs> yeah how that goes. Yeah. People should uh, look this up online. They can go to atomicmoms.com and find it there. I'm also going to have it on my Facebook page, uh, which is Atomic Moms and also our Twitter, Atomic Moms. And they can hit that link and they will go. Um, to your site to sign up for free. And so the first one is on um, February 23rd. That's which right. Is the day that this episode is being released. And, That's right. and, and it's three days, four days? Four days. So all day, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, you'll have a chance to watch or listen to four to five interviews with all the different people that I've mentioned and, you know, Glenn Doyle Melton and Rachel Macy Stafford and just phenomenal people. And if you miss it, so you get 48 hours from the point that they air. So you get, a, you know, a, a good chunk of time to tune in. And you get to watch but, that whole thing for free. It's all for free. See, it's now, like I, I whenever normally when it's like when it says something's for free, and now I feel like I'm on an infomercial. <laughs> but seriously, it's always like it's the free newsletter, and then you're like, oh god, now I have to pay however much. Blah, blah, blah. But you're saying right, that right, you right. Get, we get to actually watch the whole video for free. Yeah, yeah, all That's of awesome. it for 48 hours, and then there are going to be people who want to either own the videos so they can watch them, you know, forever more, or download the audio so we're making that available too there'll be a chance once people register if that's the route they want to go they're welcome to um okay well susan for our listeners can you give us like one tip with screen time because i'm realizing sabrina's two and a half and she's obsessed with sophia the first and i know (laughs) that like if we're having a hard time with the car seat if i show her sophia the first she'll she she's compliant so do i switch it out what You know, I mean, do I just go hardcore and say no more screen time? 
Here's the thing. I, I'm not going to say that because I, screens are here to stay. Technology is here to stay. There's so much good that comes from it. What I really want parents to get, and this is from my vantage point, you'll hear a lot of different opinions in the series, but my position is that if we're afraid of our children and we're afraid of their, their frustration, we're not really serving anybody. Even though for the short term, yes, it's fine. If that's the route you have to go, if you're on an airplane, by all means, pull out the iPad if that's going to buy you some peace. But also realize that just because a child you know, is kicking her heels about wanting something, if you're constantly just acquiescing, giving in, to the screen, you know, because it is very addictive, it is very stimulating, it can put kids in a state of hyperarousal, which is like a flood of dopamine and makes them feel really good and distracted. Sometimes you are going to have to just deal with a kid crying or hating you or being upset. And in my work, of course, that's what I'm all about is how, how to reduce those instances and help kids just move out of the meltdown and into the sort of you know, the sadness of accepting, well, this time around, I, I'm not getting the thing. That doesn't mean that they won't have the screen. And if you listen in, which I hope you will, <laughs> Ellie, you'll hear lots of great tips for how to use screens best. And and then, you know, you'll hear from me, which which is about how to, you know, hold your place of that captain of the ship and stay in a, in a place where you're not losing your cool when the screen isn't available for whatever reason. Well, thank you so much, Susan. Uh, Listeners, go to AtomicMoms.com and you'll find the link there so that we can all learn this together. Thank you so much, Susan. Thanks for doing what you're doing. I just love your program. So well done, you. Thank you. Okay. Thanks so much. Okay, listeners, we'll see you next week. Trust in your goodness. Live out your greatness. Rock on, Atomic Mom.